Welcome to Podcasts, recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. We have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its video podcast, you can donate online at cslportland.org slash donate. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living. So the last uh, several weeks, I've been driving around the state a fair amount, and it's been a marvelous time to drive around the state, because sometimes it's a blizzard, <laughs> and sometimes the snow is this high around me, and uh, for a one whole day last month on the coast, it never stopped snowing. I've never had that happen, <laughs> right? But everywhere I go, I get to watch that wonderful, actually quite slow process that life is going through as it wakes up. So if you wake up slowly, it's okay, <laughs> right? And I look at the trees, and when I drive around, I, you know, I love to watch how the seasons are changing, and it is a gradual process. When I was a kid, we were taught, you know, summer it's full, spring it's blossoms, fall it's leaves on the ground. But no, it's this unfolding, right? And I began to see quickly that over the, quickly, like several drives, several years of driving, that the fall, process of the trees dropping was actually the trees releasing what had been for the new sprouts to begin. And I watch from November all the way through now as that place that the leaf had been grows and grows and grows. And now we say, oh, the trees are budding. <laughs> yeah. It's just marvelous. But the tree can't bud if the leaf is still there. So guess what we have to do to become what we are becoming as we go through these cycles of growth and development. That which had defined who and what we thought we were has to go. And if we're lucky, it gets turned into compost and turns into more flowers. Yeah. <laughs> so understanding that and seeing that in the world around us, you know, the way science of mind works, the way the art of metaphysics works is we recognize that whatever we are experiencing out there is telling us what's going on in here. <laughs> what's going on in the heart and mind of who I am? What's going on in the energy field that I am is shown to me by what I'm looking at. And boy, I must be doing something right because what I'm looking at is wonderful. <laughs> 
as we recognize that in the world around us, then we can start seeing, oh, I needed a time of releasing and being sort of dormant in order for this new life to emerge inside me. That's what we call winter, right? And in different parts of the world, that process takes a very long time or may last a few days or weeks. I know when I was temporarily, only temporarily living in California, I would see that this was literally a, a six-week process <laughs> from dropping the leaves to having the new buds. There was almost no dormant time at all. Maybe that's why they're so frenetic down there. <laughs> yeah. But when we're up further north or in the mountains, those of you who have been living up closer to, say, Timberline or government camp, well, it was a blizzard there on Thursday night, <laughs> right? And it's been snowing up there a lot for a long time, months and months and months, yeah. So that dormant time is necessary, and it is a process in which growth is happening, and it's only possible because we let go of what was. And that dormant time is a peaceful time. I remember I was visiting family in New York City one year, and it snowed on Christmas Eve, and I walked the length of Manhattan, and it was so quiet and so peaceful. It was just marvelous. New York, amazing, <laughs> right? That dormant time is that time when we're just being. There's not a whole lot we could do if we wanted to, right? Except in our culture, where we figure out things to do all the time. Oh, I'm a doer. I'm a human doer. Yep, I'm a human being. No, I'm a human doer, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, but we need that time. And that time is not a time where there is no violence, but a time of deep peace. Now, when I was here before, we were still in the season of nonviolence, and I pointed out that satyagraha is more than not being violent, right? It is being in that state of peace such that only peace can be experienced by us and anyone around us. Ah. Well, in that case, I better start releasing any ideas I have about any other way of doing things. And in The Course of Miracles, that's called releasing attack thoughts. So I had an interesting conversation. A couple of you have already heard this story. But I was visiting with my daughter, who has two children. And they are coming, I think he, yeah, the son is becoming 11 in the beginning of May. He will be 11 on Cinco de Mayo. And he loves to do things with me whenever I'm with them, and that's fun, and we enjoy doing a lot of things, but now he's really into video games. He's always been into them, but he's really into them now. And he was, I could watch him go through his mind and go, well, I can't play that with her. I can't play that with her. I can't play that with her. Grandma, why don't you like violent video games? <laughs> And I heard myself saying something I don't think I'd ever really thought before. 
Some time ago, I made a commitment to live my life the way Jesus teaches us to. And there is no way that includes shooting anyone or anything. Well, his dad's Catholic, his mom's Catholic, and he goes to church regular, and he's an altar boy, and he heard that. And then he said, can I even say darn it? I said, what do you think? <laughs> Sounds like an attack thought to me. And he got it. And I'm really curious to see what happens. If I talk with you in a few years, we'll find out. But that realization that we are trained to think in terms of fighting something, in terms of maybe even destroying things, in controlling things, and you know, all of those things that the Course of Miracles calls attack thoughts, they are what keep us from feeling peace. They are what we need to release. And it's both directions. Because if I have ever thought I have ever been attacked, oh my goodness, I must have that in me because, well, what's out there is showing me what's in here, right? Oh boy. So part of what we need to do in order to get to that state of deep peace, part of that is to let go of and release the memories and whatever things we have attached to the idea of ever having been attacked in any way. Now Louise Hay has a great video called Releasing Anger and her process is very, very good and it, I didn't use the video 40 years ago, but I did, use, <laughs> I did use her process and it really is helpful to help find what the current memories are of past issues around being attacked and then to actually experience the emotion and release it. Marvelous. Louise Hay is a great teacher for our time. And as we release that anger and resentment, we are literally beginning to undo in our mind the idea that we can have had that kind of experience, therefore that it could happen in our world now. And that's what we're aiming for, right? Because in a way, everyone that's involved with Centers for Spiritual Living or Unity or any of the New Thought traditions are actually saying, we are building a different kind of a world. Right? Now, the Mayan prophecies said that at this time, humanity would shift from doing technical material fixes to doing spiritual and mental shifts and changes. Isn't that going to be cool? And that's what we're learning here. That's what we're becoming as a community and as individuals. And what's even more cool about the fact that we're doing this is that there is both a scientific concept and a science of mind concept that is, it's all one mind, it's all one field, it's all one beingness. And so as each of us release anything, all of us are that much freer. 
as each of us becomes more fully the peaceful, calm, joyful, blissful, delighted, wonderfully unfolding being that we are, everyone has an easier time of doing the same. Rupert Sheldrake's morphogenetic fields, if you want to know the science there. All right? And what it is doing for all of humanity, and I have seen this over and over again, all of humanity is waking up to that inner knowing, that deeper wisdom, that understanding of what can be and how we can get there. I love that. Now... Of course, there are all kinds of things that come up in this process. <laughs> There's going to be all kinds of, oh, yeah, really, <laughs> or yabbits. I call them the yabbits. Yeah. And really, this week in the Christian church is a perfect example of the yabbits. Not the rabbits at the end of the week, but... This week, today is Palm Sunday in the Christian tradition. And we are in Ramadan, too, which is kind of cool, right? And soon it will be Passover because, well, Jesus was in Jerusalem for Passover. So this Palm Sunday thing is everyone is going, yippee, it's all over, we're going to be wonderful, everything's great, it's wonderful, the, the Messiah has come, and now we won't be captive to the Romans anymore or anything else, right? Oh, marvelous, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. In some of my churches, I have everybody come through a Palm experience so they get to experience being welcomed as the Messiah that we each are. Because as we shift, the whole shifts. Yes? What a wonderful experience of that. And so, you know, everyone is singing and joyfully appreciating and it's a glorious moment. And a few days later, later, in this marvelous, powerful, appreciative, appreciated state, Jesus shows up in the temple and he says, oh, no, 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 no. We are not having money changers. We are not buying and selling. You are not making a profit. Not happening here. And he disrupts the whole temple, which those of us who are aware of social dynamics know he did on purpose. <laughs> He had to do that to wake them up and get them to start actually acting on all the hidden threats that had been in all the various encounters he had had with the leaders of the temple. So he did. He really got them upset. And then he went off to celebrate Passover. Now, Passover is a very interesting thing. Anybody here grow up practicing Passover, celebrating Passover? Okay, good, 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 good. So in the Passover celebration, what we are doing is honoring the process of becoming free. It's really a celebration of freedom. And it's also honoring the process of coming into knowing and deeper understanding. So each stage in the Passover Seder, a Seder is a feast. There's all kinds of Seders over the year, not just one. But the Passover Seder has several stages, and each one is celebrating the stage in the process. First, people willing to hear that they could be free, <laughs> 
Second, to be willing to hear that they can do certain things to prevent any catastrophe for themselves. Third, to actually get up and move. And fourth, to have crossed the sea and begin to be their own people again. And each time, there is a young person in the room who is asking a question. And that young person is the symbol of our own curiosity, right? Our own, why are we doing this? Because it's always that question. Why do we do this, this way? In order for the Israelites to be free of their life in Egypt, they had to leave behind a whole lot of stuff. And in order for them to move into their new life, it took a full generation and a half, 40 years, to release their attachment to the life that was. May none of you have to take 40 years to do that. And 40 years is a symbolic time. So as we realize what's going on in this season, the season that is called Holy Week in the Christian tradition, we are actually in some ways going through as a culture what that group of people went through. And then in Christianity, by Thursday, there will be the Passover Maundy Thursday feast. And Friday will be Good Friday, where a person had to release his attachment to looking good and to his body in order to free himself and us from the power of our belief in pain and death. And we call that man Jesus and we call that process becoming the Christ. And in the process of releasing what he had been attached to, he could be resurrected. And in the middle of that, he did something incredibly powerful. And those of you who attended the workshop yesterday are aware of how powerful it is. He forgave everyone of everything. And when I was going through my own healing process, which required that I go through a lot of releasing and replacing and forgiving, I realized that that act of forgiveness was the means by which he said, all right, I let it all go. And that letting it all go allowed the consciousness, the beingness, the one mind be his one mind, his experience fully, and he simply left the body. Now, those of you who are aware of the historical elements of that may be aware that he left the body in three hours, and that's unheard of on the cross. It's usually a three-day process. So it was an intentional leaving. So he could come back. Now, there's a whole other bunch of history around that process and how important it was to people in that place at that time that had nothing to do with what Christianity teaches. But it is an important thing for us to realize that whatever we are willing to let go of 
opens the space for something so much more than we could possibly have experienced prior. And in fact, there are people who say the process of maturi maturity, maturation, is letting go. We let go of childish ways. We let go of childish thoughts. We let go of our attachments. So as we become who we really are, which is spirit incarnate, as we know the truth about ourselves, we must release all the other ideas. And all the Emma students know that's lesson two and lesson eight. Right? In lesson two, we are letting go of all the beliefs we had about how life is anything other than good. And the body relaxes. We release all those tensions and concerns and worries. And then in lesson eight, we know not only for ourselves, but for everyone around us, that nobody is stuck with anything that isn't truth. Nobody is attached. And I've called lesson eight, be not deceived. I am not deceived into any of those old ideas. I accept the new one. I realize that truly all is well, and I am that which we call spirit, God, whatever, manifesting this body, this world, in this moment. And I release and let go of any idea that suggests that it's anything other than perfect and whole and wonderful. And I think spring, for most of us, is when we are reminded that that could be true. <laughs> That's why we love it. We look at the blossoms unfolding and we realize, yes, that could be. All we need to do is let go of what we were believing and thinking and remembering about a different way. Ah. <sighs> Now, there are a lot of methods for doing that. One of them I refer to, the Louise Hay method. Another one is one that's in all of my books. I call it express, release, replace, and affirm. And there are other things we can do. Some of you have been doing the rapid eye stuff, yeah? Rapid eye therapy. And some of you have been doing other kinds of, um, you know, energetic things, and I love them all. And... If you are not feeling that deep peace, there's more to be done. It's a marvelous indicator. One of the things that helped me a lot when I was going through this and learning to let go of my attachments was the idea that there are a lot of energetic cords between me and all those beings, and I don't have to continue to keep all those cords. And one of them in particular, and most of us have this, it's called the mother, um, <laughs> was a pretty big cord. <laughs> and at that time, it wasn't all that healthy. And I cut it. 
I went into a meditative space and I just used my hand as if it were a knife. And I said, Mom, I love you, but this can't keep going on. And then I used my hands to bind the open space. And then I opened my heart to have a different kind of connection with the woman who had been the woman who raised me. Because now neither of us were the same people. And now I could be a loving friend a loving contributor in some ways, a loving support person, as she went through the final years of her life. Ah. How we can be peace by releasing what was, yeah? Many of you have heard of Ho'oponopono. Ho'oponopono. Hugh Lynn, a psychiatrist in... Hawaii made it very popular and others have used it. And it's listed as a specific set of phrases, but just like a science of mind treatment, it's not the words. It's the power coming through the words. So we need to be in that place of feeling the oneness and we need to know that whatever we are seeing in this other person is in us. And we need to be willing to allow and accept as we were in that chant. Now allowing, just like the leaves falling off the tree, requires that we have to let go of whatever was in that place, right? Whatever our image or story or expectations or beliefs about the situation are. So we can allow this other thing to happen. So in Ho'oponopono, the first step is to say, I release my attachment. Now, the way we were taught it is, I'm sorry. Now, in our culture, that does not bear anything like the weight of the first line of Ho'oponopono. I release anything I'm holding in this situation. I let it go. I'm done with it. I'm ready to move on from it. That's the first step. Please forgive me is this next line we're taught. Isn't that an opening to a divine presence and movement in our life? I am saying, all right, I'm open to receive something for what I have let go of. Emma calls this giving forness. I have let go of that. Now allow me to experience the gift of the love and the light that we all deserve and everyone that I'm doing this Ho'oponopono for, we feel as one the light and the love. And then the next line is, I love you. 
And that's not me saying, I love you. That is the divine saying, I love, I hold, I cherish, I delight in who you are and how you are, both of you, all of you, all of us as one. And I'm allowing that movement in me and through me as I know this truth. And then I'm overwhelmed with the gratitude that it is done. And I can't help but say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And that's where we are. And that's where we're going. And that's what this whole world that we are helping to create is all about. In every situation that doesn't feel heavenly, in every memory that doesn't feel like it supports our well-being now, in every moment that an 11-year-old wants to play a shoot 'em up game. <sighs> yes. Because this is who and what we are, and this is what we hold true for ourselves and for all beings, is it not? Simply being. Shall we go into a little deepening of all of this? Yeah. So I invite you to release any tension in your body. That's always the step, first step, release. Relax, release, and be. Allow this wonderful room to be totally supportive in this wonderful situation that each of us is in all over the world, to totally support us. And as we do so, we recognize that who and what we are is all that will ever be. It is the spirit that is everywhere. And we can just relax into that, releasing any idea of separation. And we let that flow, that beingness that we are flow into, around, and through us. The one that is. We feel that eternal love and light and wisdom. And in this, we realize, we make real to ourselves the experience for ourselves and for all those we are connected with of the wholeness the well-being, the peace, and the beauty that is. And as we experience that beauty and peace and well-being, we realize that our hearts are beginning to overflow with that wonderful gratitude that this is our experience. This is how the whole of beingness is intended and designed and 
matter-of-factly, simply unfolding. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And knowing this and accepting this, I let these ideas go. I release them knowing that the universe is designed, that this be my experience and all experience and I need do nothing to make it so except to listen to the wisdom inside me and let it guide me into the next step. And so my word is fulfilled. For so it is. And so I say, Amen. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. Our inspirational service is at 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.